Welcome to this new episode of the Coach Me to Lead podcast and the LinkedIn live show. I have Christopher Downing as our guest here. Welcome, Christopher. Hi, thank you for having me. Or Coach Chris, as you say at the bottom now. <laughs> what intrigued me right away, and obviously that was one of the reasons why you put it down in your um, bio, was that you have not been on social media since 2016. Before we go there, we will um, just share a little bit of who you are and what you do. Yeah, uh, I'm a writer first. I started writing uh, a long time ago. At one point, I figured out that I can share the things that I've learned along my own writing journey. And I wrote a few books about how to write, how to dictate. Once I put those out into the world, um, people started emailing me, asking me questions if I could help them and support them. The coaching just sort of organically grew out of that. Luckily, I found the Coach Me platform and found out how easy it was to get something started. And sure enough, uh, clients started coming and here we are. And I saw your books. What I normally do when I prepare, I just go to LinkedIn. I look up for the websites. And of course, all of that was not available for you. I had to go to yeah to to Amazon to find you there a bit on Goodreads and so on. That's where I found most of the information about what you do. But you wrote a couple of books. And the one, I think, this is, you know, foolproof dictation, foolproof outline, that's, that's the ones that help people to do the things that you do uh, on a good way, right? Right, that's right. And and I was so because also your coaching patch is, is about this dictation. I was so I didn't know what was I gonna. What is this dictation part? What is how does it work? Well, well, with coaching, uh, it's it's just helping people cross over into dictation. Have you ever tried dictation yourself? I've I've purchased at some point Dragon. What's it called? Yeah, some point. <laughs> Dragon something. I, I I thought I had the box, but I think I threw it away sometime. And it and it, it didn't work for me. It was it's it's been a couple of years. Let's say ten years ago that I bought that package, but it didn't work for me. And maybe now, probably now, it's 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 a lot better. But I still I don't use it. I write. I type. Sure, sure. Well. For those people who do want to try out dictation, um, most people struggle with it, but they struggle with it for a variety of reasons. So uh, I've helped people overcome, you know, there's a lot of fears and resistances. We tend to go to the path of least resistance, which is typing for most people. So if you struggle with a new skill set, you tend to abandon it and go to what you're used to. Um, but if you want to stay at it, sometimes it's just a matter of not quitting. Right. So having someone to hold your hand, give you advice as you go through it and you develop the skill and eventually uh, it becomes a part of a part of your skill set. And so you can what's one more tool that you can use. So. But it's hard for everybody, so it doesn't surprise me that you struggled with it, too. <laughs> did you and now do you do you still write or did, is the only thing that you do is dictation? Depends on my mood, really. Uh, you know, it's like I say, it's just one more tool in my toolbox. So if I want to type that day, then I type. If I dictate because I want to write quickly or it's just I'm in the mood to speak quickly, uh, then I'll use that. Do you also still write with paper and pencil or pen? Yeah, a lot of notes. I enjoy pen and paper. I enjoy the slow pace of that. 
it's really good for brainstorming. So I like I like all, all sorts of things, really. I I write like a, a, well, not three pages in the morning, like the morning pages, mm. like you should. But I write one page in the morning, and in my journal most of the days, and I like you know just writing by hand. And I think also it gives you. I read like research about this. It gives you the opportunity when you it's this it's a connection between the hand and the brain to organize what you think, right? Mm. So to structure your thinking. And I like that part about writing instead of just having everything in my mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand that dictation is a tool, but how do you see that with dictation? Is it how could you use that? You know, it's. It's, it is a lot about how our brain organizes things. You said it's, it's a connection with your brain to your hands, to the pen and the paper. Just like when you're having a conversation, the parts of your brain that we're using right now to have this conversation, whether it's sentence structure or the vocabulary we use during conversations, you know, those neural pathways exist to your mouth, right? When you're writing blogs or something else or what else, whatever else you're used to typing, well, those neural connections are connected to your fingers and the patterns that you use to type on a keyboard. So when you're switching over to writing by dictation, which is different than having a conversation, you need to establish those connections. So the, the, the things that we, how we think about the world, the abstract ways that we think about the worlds and the way we, the way we structure things and how we look at them, it's already in our brain. It's just a matter of connecting those neural pathways to their, to our output, right? So if you're used to using a pen and paper and thinking about those things, then those connections are already there. When you're learning to write by dictation, you need to establish those neural pathways to connect those ideas, everything from our writing. You know, we, we, we speak in like the, what I'm doing right now. I would never type this way, <laughs> right? But I talk this way and it makes sense to you. But if I were to dictate that directly on the page, it would look a mess. So things like the sentence structures that we use, the type of words that we use when we're typing, for instance, a blog are very different than these conversations. So it's just a matter of taking, what, taking those connections and connecting them to our brain. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's practice too to establish those those pathways. I think the difficulty for when I started using it was that the language, because I most of the things I write are in Dutch, and that was not very well supported at that time. And I tried, of course, English, but then I have to work double. You know, I have to learn dictation and I have to learn to write in English, which was also not my nature. So. Um, I think that complicated effort. Do you think that has the dictation part improved and how the last couple of years? Uh, leaps and bounds. Yeah. No offense to, to Dragon or any other software out there, but right now my onboard, my, I use an Apple, I use the cheap iPhone, right? The I, I, iPhone SE, it's the cheap one. Uh, it's dictation that just comes naturally on it is now superior than anything Dragon had four years ago. So I, uh, I'm a big fan of not spending money. So right now, the, what I use is the free dictation that's just on my iPhone and it's fantastic. I get the whole language thing, that one more hurdle, right? That's, yeah. Anything that undermines our self-confidence is gonna have an effect on our voice, right? So if we're dictating, 
or typing, you know, typing being part of our voice. Um, anything that anything that undermines our self confidence, like I said, is is uh, makes things difficult for sure. I'll tell you what. Um, one of the things that I work with with the dictation. People come to me and they, they, they want to learn dictation. And, uh, you know, I ask them, well, where are your struggles at? And for some people, they can't think of what to say. You know, they turn on the microphone and suddenly it's just, right? It's like they just, they're just blank and they're just, it's like they're swimming through mud. And why is that, right? And so people come to me for dictation, but more often than not, we end up talking about their creative voice, right? Why is their creative voice constricted? Why is, why is their creativity, uh, why do they struggle to get the words out? And so, yes, you came to me to talk about dictation, but in reality, we talk about your creative voice and the confidence, uh, your sense of identity, all the things that go into you trying to put your creativity out into the world, right? So we find out that a lot of people struggle with self-confidence, even with the typing, right? But they manage to get through it. They can still type, right? But when they're faced with dictating, <laughs> suddenly it's right in front of them and they're like, oh, I don't have what it takes to do this. And that lack of self-confidence is just like getting your knees knocked out from under you. So we talked about that. And then, and for some people, um, you know, we go as far back as to their creative spark you know, which leads to your voice, right? So I, I kind of work in a paradigm of first you have your purpose and then you have your creative spark, right? The drive to create things in the world. You know, I want to, I want to do things. I want to write a book. I want to garden. I want to coach. I want to build a career. I want to have a family, right? That creative spark. Um, and it's from the creative spark that we have our, our voice, right? We, we use our voice to, to put our, drive, our creative spark out into the world. And I'm using voice you know, loosely, you know, whether you're gardening or, or, or building a family, you're using your creative voice. It's how you get your spark out into the world. So whether it's your purpose, your spark, or your voice, somewhere along the line, one of those three things is, can be struggling. And so if you're struggling with writing or doing the things that you want to do in life, Sometimes you can, you can, it's one of those things. It's your, it's your confidence from your voice, your ability to put things out into the world, or you, you, the stresses of life might have diminished your spark, right? So you have a skill set, right? You know, you can write. I know, I know, I know that there's things to be written, but I just don't have the drive, right? I have, I have trouble coming up with ideas. And so sometimes it's, it's just the spark. And so we'll start talking about, why is your creative spark so diminished? Why are you, why is, why do you have trouble getting out of bed in the morning, you know? And then sometimes we go as far back as talking about your purpose. Why are we doing this in the first place? And somewhere along the line, we can identify where the kink in the hose is, right? And then we start working on that. And then several months down the line, people are like, oh yeah, we, we were supposed to talk about dictation. And then once we have that figured out, then we can start talking about, great, let's start fine-tuning the tools that we're using for our creative voice to get out into the world. Sorry, I got a little long-winded on that, but like I said, most people come to me for like accountability with their writing or the dictation. And we end up talking about why their creative voice is stifled or why their spark has gone, you know, why it's, why it's not burning anymore like it used to. I don't have the drive anymore.
And you have a beautiful niche on your coaching. I, I, I really love it that you have this niche and it's so carved out and so clear. Do you see yourself more like a coach today than an author or how, how do you see where's the balance for you? That's a great question. I've always wanted to be just a writer that could support myself with my writing. All right, I'll just admit that. I'll admit that to you only. Don't tell anybody. Uh, you know, the coaching the coaching came of it. Um, you know, am I an artist or am I a healer? Right? And I, t you know, I've always wanted to be the artist, right? But I find that I am successful helping people heal with their struggles, right? Whether they're self-confidence or identity problems or, you know, whatever it may be. So great question. I'm still figuring that out myself. Um, when the, my coaching business started to blow up, right? Suddenly you start making money and, and thing you're feeling successful. The clients are lining up and you're like, well, cool, this is it. And then a couple of years down the road, you're like, well, I kind of miss being creative myself. And I find myself hearing my own words to my clients and saying like, well, I should probably listen to some of these things. They're, they're good advice. So it's so funny you should mention it over the last couple of months. I've really revved up my writing career again and uh, working on some, some projects that I want to get out there. Yeah. Do you feel that for you or maybe in general that the, the amount of money that you're making from it is, is a part of that discussion or thinking process about are you a writer or are you a coach? Well, I like to pay the bills. I have a family to support. Money is energy, right? And energy, energy can be both light and dark, good or bad. So, you know, as long as we have smart boundaries around money and how we think about money, which has taken me a while. I used to, I used to think money was the evil of all things. And once I had a family and realized that I kind of need to start making this money from my, from my endeavors, it's kind of important. I get it. Um, so for me, the creative part uh, right now, I'm creating from the heart. That's very important. I encourage everyone to create from your own authentic spark, right? If you're doing things for the wrong reasons, uh, then your spark, you're doing things based on the shoulds right? You should do this. You should do that. In order to be successful, you should publish on medium this many times a month, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Then you're doing things based on the shoulds instead of your spark or your purpose. And so you can do it for a while, but the burnout will come because the resistance is at some point your, your creative spark will say, I'm not going to do this anymore because it's not for the right reasons. You're doing it because of what people are telling you you should be doing and not because of, from, you're not doing it from the heart. So as I'm re reinventing my own writing and, and the things that I want to write about, um, I'm making sure that they're coming from the heart. Luckily, I have the writing thing, to, or sorry, the coaching thing to fall back on as my day job so that I can figure out what I want to create and then hopefully find a way to market it when the time comes. Right, right. Okay, I I love what you just said, and because I think that's a very good reasoning. And I also want to ask the question again, but rephrase it this time. Oh, sure. Because I'm also interested in this part. So let's say that from your writing, you will have earned enough money, plenty of money that you could just live off. And so your, your, your writing becomes a huge success. Let's put it that way. Do you think you will still be coaching? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I sobered up from alcohol about 12 years ago. And one of the things that was really beneficial from that was helping people who were also trying to sober up, right? So no matter how good I think I've got it with my sobriety, helping other people who are still struggling really locks in for me why I need to stay sober. So the same thing with writing. There's nothing more joyful for me than working with somebody on their first novel and watching them make it, right, and create it. And some of the advice and things that I help them, help teach them with are, are, like I said earlier, it's a reminder for me of the things that I should be doing and the things that I should still be focused on. If I was to have my own successes, I probably would forget some of those things unless I had a coach. Um, So yeah, helping people, helping people who are struggling is a part of my personal growth. And I can't deny that. See, I'm happy I'm asked this question. Twice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I I think I was looking for this, this idea that, but I, I like the first answer too, because you know, the whole idea was just how this happened for you. And the second one is what maybe may happen. And I, I, I like the idea that you still want to keep coaching because of the helping part um, that you've learned because of the coaching, right? So right. I, I like I like that process. The coaching on Coach Up Me is, is in general built upon habits, right? So what kind of things you do daily to get into this habit of doing things in your case it's you know becoming better in writing but also you know becoming better in dictation what is what are some simple habits that you start with 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 your clients removing some of the bad habits is the first one well oh gosh so many so many different angles on that one um i i find so that creative spark that we were talking about right So you sit down to do whatever it is you're going to do, whether you're a writer or you're a gardener. And we live in this modern world where the stresses of life are immense, right? And I have this theory that stress is the destroyer of all things. There is nothing good ever comes from stress, right? Maybe a little bit of anxiousness gets us going, right? I think that's a part of being a human being is an anxiousness, right? This sense of lack that we were born with causes us to move forward but when things get stressful right suddenly the stresses uh they activate our our critical voice right something's wrong right there's something wrong out there in the world and so our critical voice which is there to help us to protect us to find solutions to problem solve it it comes on board and says oh let's let's find things to fix what's wrong things are wrong right your creative, your creative voice is the thing that you should be living your life with, right? You should be using your creative voice to build your families and your careers and your, your writing career and all of that stuff, your books. But if critical voice is activated, then suddenly, and it does a good job, by the way, of problem solving. So we tend to rely so much on our critical voice to problem solve, to create safety nets. We should be doing this. We let the creative critical voice loves shoulds, right? It loves self-help books. It loves the things, tell, tell me what to do. So when you sit down to your practice, whatever it may be, you can either listen to your critical voice or you can listen to your creative voice. Okay, good habits, right? So 
oftentimes we talk about what are the good habits that you could your morning see your morning routine right when you start your morning do you go to social media first i promise you if you go to social media first critical voice is going to say hello good morning i'm here too because it's a world of ugh, right it's the things that are wrong with the world um you know you should be you should be participating in. and it's of course social media is engineered to make you want to participate or are you tending yourself are you maybe doing some like morning pages like you said are you going for a walk are you having a calm peaceful morning i encourage my clients to think of what are the good habits that that activate your creative voice right and what are the bad habits that activate critical voice so you have to be really intentional about the things that you choose if you choose things that activate critical voice it's difficult to make that voice go away so good habits can be i mean really personality based but a nice morning hygiene routine is nice sitting in peacefully with your favorite morning beverage uh listening to your favorite music morning pages is, is a great one like you said or anything a long walk um, those are things that slowly bring you into the world creatively right so to answer your question directly uh, i encourage people to develop their own good habits based on activating their creative voice instead of their critical voice wow nice does that make sense yeah it makes a lot of sense and it's very thoughtful and i think it's it's great thinking and obviously you know it's it's logical to not go on social media, but the, the whole explanation about the creative voice, I like that a lot. And I haven't thought about it in that way. Is that the reason why you left social media? I left social media because of the US United States presidential election in 2016. Uh, I don't know if you, that was, <laughs> that was, that for me, that was just the, that was the epitome of how gross, it doesn't matter whether you, you're a conservative or a liberal, it doesn't, it was disgusting. It was just gross. Um, I would see my own friends behaving in ways I would be lured into behaving certain ways online. And it's all crap. You know, none of it's real. None of it's authentic. We think it is. Um, it, it's this false reality. And uh, for that reason, I set it aside. I was like, I just don't want to participate in any of those political conversations anymore. And once I did that, just like leaving alcohol behind, uh, it was a matter of weeks before I started to realize, oh my goodness, there's a lot more benefits to leaving it behind than not. So the tricky thing is, uh, is we live in a world of online content, right? And online content can, includes our blogging, our marketing, right? When I tell people that I'm a writer or a coach and I don't do any online marketing, it, blows their mind, how can you possibly succeed in this world without that? Because isn't that how we're supposed to succeed, right? That's what we've been told, or that's what we've been telling ourselves, right? But it's not, there are ways to succeed, you know? It, it's a different angle, it might be a little old school, I don't know, uh, but it sure relieves me of the stresses that interfere with my spark. And that's the most important thing. I, I, I completely see that. And I, I wonder about a couple of things. So, okay, no social media, I get that. I'm down to just LinkedIn at the moment. That's it. 
WhatsApp, I don't count that as I see that as a contact so right. communication channel, not a you know a social media, but still it's it can be very distracting, but it's 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 important to me. But I left, you know, most of the the way I saw it, the most poisonous one, like Twitter on Facebook and Instagram. I think LinkedIn is less likely to draw me in and just, you know, uh, draw me in all to all kind of very nasty conversations, but no website. So no, no domain, no place where people can find you. That is your own. Why and how do you do that? Uh, well, first of all, the coach.me platform, I consider my landing page for the most part, right? Like it's, it's fantastic. You know, people, I have that referral link, people click on it and it takes me, takes them to my coaching profile. And there's a picture of me with a small bio and, and, you know, within my package descriptions, you know, people can get, oh, there it is. Uh, you know, I just did that picture. I'm not really sure it's the best one, but. It's uh, okay. That's okay. I'm going to just scroll to the package. Here you go. Yeah, people can pick that apart if they want to. But <laughs> yeah, anyways, they can get a, enough of a feel for me. So in a sense, it is a landing page. So to say that I operate without a landing page wouldn't be truthful. This is my landing page. Uh, and it's it's pretty, I mean, like, I've got some of the referrals or, or the testimonies are right there. You know, a couple of years ago on Coach, there was a big movement to really refine your your how many packages you offer right so instead of offering like 15 packages to try to cast a wide net you know specialize go niche that i think that is the way to go is uh is to not try to catch everybody but to specialize and, and yeah i think everyone can get get what they need to know on the book writing side i think that's also uh blows people's mind but you know i'd ask you any, the last time you bought a fiction book, not nonfiction, but you went to go buy a fiction book, you know, how many times do you go to the author's website before you buy the book? Probably never, right? So it just seems to be a waste of time and energy. And I used to have a website and good Lord, it would suck my time away from me trying to get the formatting right. And, uh, just, you know, and there was no benefit from it. You know, we're told that we're supposed to have an online presence but I haven't noticed a difference. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I think this was this was important for me to 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 see your thinking on this. And let's say, for example, you're very dependent on Coach Up Me um, with your landing page there. So let's say Coach Up Me just goes under and they're they're gone. So what, what do you what do you think we would do then? Panic for a couple of weeks. <laughs> luck luck and a little bit of skill uh, i've created a 100 word of mouth business so all of my clients are referral uh, when i first started out with coach i did use google ads um i would spend about 200 us dollars a month on google ads and i would just have my referral link with you know some copy and people would click on it and i would get about a new client every month or two it was still a trickle right but I would do my best to keep those clients for a long-term basis. And eventually I was able to turn those Google ads off uh, and rely completely on a, on a word of mouth business. So every client I get is someone who's been told you should go talk to coach Chris. And that to me is insanely powerful. Uh, it really makes me do a good job 
right? So since every, I'm relying on every single one of my clients to go tell somebody without me telling them to go tell somebody, right? That's the, that's the also trick. You don't want to, you don't want to have to do that. A couple other things that I do is I offer a free month to all of my clients if they refer somebody who sticks, right? And so my package is $150 a month. So if Tony decides, you know, brings in Sandra, right? I'm going to give Tony a free month. Wow. Is it worth it? Is, do I lose 150 bucks? Is it worth it? Absolutely. Because Sandra's going to stick around for four to eight months, knock on wood, right? And Sandra is going to tell somebody. So by giving away $150, you know, and it happens once, right? It's not like I'm giving a bunch of free stuff all the time to the same people over and over. But by doing that, it does encourage them to tell a friend to say that I succeed without online presence is also a little bit of a falsehood because I rely on other people's online presences to talk about me, mm. right? So I am paying for marketing. I am paying Tony $150, right, to go spread the word. And he does it. And I'm grateful for that, right? So I'm still paying for marketing, but I'm doing it by creating a word of mouth situation works really well. And luckily I've, you know, I've landed in a couple of writer communities who are very, writers are very vocal people. My goodness, they have lots of opinions and they love sharing their opinions. So that's lucky. Um, so they, they talk, everyone's, you know, everyone's complaining about everything. It's, oh, maybe you should go talk to coach Chris and maybe he can help you with your spark or help you with dictation. And then they show up. My one package you see there is it's $30 for two weeks, right? It's just this, this is, it's this, uh, yeah. In fact, I don't even I don't even have my full package on there. It's just a trial, right? It's it's thirty dollars, thirty U.S. dollars for two weeks, and so that gives me two weeks. I got two weeks with that person, and I need to do a really I need to give them a couple of good wins, right? I need to prove that 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 we're gonna succeed together. You know, I would say eighty percent. I've never done the math, but. More than 75% stick around for a couple of months and it ends up paying for itself for sure. How many new clients did you get in a month about? One or two. Beautiful. I love this strategy because you completely build on, you know, quality instead of quantity. Mm -hmm. You are very respective with your own time, right? So you respect your own time and say, I want to use it as good as I can, because mm -hmm. you are a full-time dad, mm -hmm. you want to write. Um, so you don't want to spend time, you know, hanging around on LinkedIn or on Twitter or on whatever platform, mm -hmm. joining all these conversations or even building your own website and being frustrated about how to build this and how to keep it alive. I think that's, mm -hmm. that's really smart. And of course, not everybody can do it. I think you have um, you have a perfect niche where this is possible, but also I also think it is possible in a lot of situations to set up your business in this way if you are confident enough about you know your own quality and have patience in what's going to happen, right? So you you have to have like trust that people refer you with new clients and that you are doing a great job that they are willing to refer. So that's, it, you right. are confident and you have, you trust in yourself and in the process. And I think that's really a really good way to do this.
so I, I mentioned the two nonfiction books like Proof Dictation and uh, Foolproof Dictation, Foolproof Outline. But you mainly write fiction, if I'm correct, right? Right. What is your next book that you, what's the next project you're working on? What can you share? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. So, we'll see. Which, which, which one should I, which one should we talk about? <laughs> uh, there's, there's two books, uh, two books that I'm working on now. Um, so, so let's see, check the tag. We got 30 minutes. Great. And I'll see if I can fill it up with just this. Um, <laughs> let me just, let me just say that what I left behind is writing romance. Most of my clients, not all of them, but a large percentage of them are, are romance writers, right? But English, English speaking, English speaking romance writers. It's a very prolific bunch of writers, and you have to be prolific in that business in order to succeed. So, um, hence, a lot of people want to learn dictation, uh, and I love, I love romance, right? It's it's a great genre because there's a happily ever after, right? During the pandemic and these stressful times. You know, I don't like darkness. I don't like the dark stuff. I like to know that there's a happily ever after. So I enjoyed participating with, it. I love writing the romance. But something happened over this last two months where I realized that I was, while I enjoyed it, it was fine. I wasn't writing from my own creative spark, right? This is one of those times where I was coaching people on this thing and I was listening to my own words and I'm like, that's really good advice. Maybe I should start writing from my own creative spark. Sounds really important. <laughs> so, so while I've enjoyed writing romance, and that's where the money is, I was writing other people's fantasies, not erotic fantasies, but just the fantasies of, you know, being protected or being saved or saving other people, you know, what that, whatever that looked like, whatever those particular, you know, beauty and the beast fantasies are. Uh, I was writing other people's universal fantasies, not my own. So I decided. I need to leave that behind and find out what I really want to write. And within about 60 seconds, my spark was like, you know, there's like four or five projects you've been shelving that are really important to you. Maybe you should have a look at And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of just real quick to now to drag out this answer more. One of them is uh, the gospel according to Joseph. So it's going to be a story of Joseph and Jesus when he was 11 years old. So the gospel of the New Testament really begins when Jesus was 12. Uh, that's when we first learn about him. So I was just very curious about the, the role of Joseph, right, stepdad. What was the role of the stepdad in Jesus's life up until that point? So it's a story, the gospel according to Joseph. It's a month in the, a month in the life of Joseph and Jesus and what that relationship must have looked like and what things Jesus might have learned from his stepdad, which was probably a very, very important figure in his life, but we don't know much about it. So there's going to be a lot of fictionalization, but for me, it's a chance to really dive deep on fatherhood and what it means to raise a family that must have felt like a circus at the time and what his, you know, what his role, what type of advice, what type of conversations did they have with this young man? My son right now is 11, might be a coincidence. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> So, so for me, it's, it's really an exploration of fatherhood and enduring, right? So it's, it's real. So there we go. And now you can hear I'm talking from the heart, right? These are things that are really important for me. Wow. Wow. The other project is a book called Man, 
which is uh, a story of a young man set in prehistoric times, roughly around 30,000 BC, um, who is using his masculinity to survive a, a brutal world. And for me, this is a little bit of a pendulum swing against the theory that masculinity should be suppressed and weak. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of young men in the world are being told that masculinity is all masculinity is toxic. And I think having another voice out there to show that no masculinity is also really this amazing, powerful thing that has helped our species survive for thousands upon thousands of years. And so it's a book about that. Once again, these are things that like, you can tell I'm getting excited about it yeah. right? because yeah. it's my spark, right? These are the things I really want to write about. I don't know if it'll be successful or not, but sure makes me feel good to even talk about it. So thanks for asking. <laughs> Oh man, this is, I can see the books in front of me. I'm, I'm not a fiction reader at all. I have, mm -hmm. I, I have, I think two fiction books, which are from nonfiction writers. I, I like parables though. That's so I also like uh, that, but in general, I just read nonfiction. I read things where I can learn something about. And I think that was what I just got from you was the books you're writing is nonfiction, but it's also something to learn right so something to learn about you know fatherhood or yeah. what can you give your children and what, what can they learn from you and also masculinity which you just mentioned so yeah hopefully you will finish those books soon and share it with the world that's gonna oh, be thanks. yeah i know i i can hear the book i can see it in front of me i can i can i, I can imagine the book how this would you know what this will be about and how what an interesting story is going to be and something that I can be wondering about so what's going on there wow how do you come up with these topics so that's just wonderful thanks i want to just make sure that people see because i just showed you um, as a viewer on linkedin or watching this video uh, the, the the packages of you and um so this is the page um and if you use this one the qr code you could just directly to his page and you can see the packets there and you can just order the package and you start with his first two weeks with it for $30, I think, which is an amazing deal and get to know Chris about his, and his coaching, especially when you know author and you lost your creative spirit. And, you know, even if you're an author and you want to learn about dictation, which could be interesting for me even um, as well. Right. So that's interesting. What else? I think, I think I've asked, the most important questions I had for you today, because mm -hmm. that was something I really, really wanted to learn how you do this and how this came about and how you, you know, build up your career and make the combination of coaching and writing and being a dad, which to me, everything sounds amazing how you've just organized it. And I can imagine, of course, this all came with struggles and doubts and everything because I'm a dad and I did the same thing. I'm even that I'm not an author, but I'm also a coach right now, but how it all came to place. It sounds just like something very wonderful and thought through and very interesting. So thank you for sharing that with us. Chris. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for you. The viewers today, this post will also be on blog.coach.me. I will have the audio and the video there by Monday, next Monday. And like I always say, uh, we look forward to see you again next Friday at the same time. We start at 9 a.m. Central or 4 p.m. Central European time. 
And thank you, Chris, for joining us today and sharing your insights with us. Yeah, thanks, man. This has been a blast.